Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Mark here. I am excited um, to introduce you to our guest today, um, uh, Umberto Cardoso Filio. Uh, is from TEDx Blumenau, but more importantly, it's in southern Brazil. Uh, Umberto, did you know it's right near my good friend who lives in Curitiba? Hey, Mark. How are really? You? Yes. I'm great. I work on a project out of New York City, and the uh, development arm, uh, all the programmers I work with are in Curitiba, and I really want to go visit. And I just. Oh, uh, it's a. It's so beautiful it's an awesome there. City. Yeah, it's amazing. I love that city too. And you're in the uh, we're so we're recording in February, uh, but it's kind of the middle of the summer for you down there, right? Yeah, it's actually pretty hot here. Uh, the summer in Brazil, especially in Santa Catarina, my state, is actually pretty hot here. It's almost forty degrees Celsius today. Oh my gosh! And it's it's also now the the people will be listening to this. Um, after this has happened, but I believe Carnival is coming up next week. Is that correct? Yeah, it's actually this weekend. This weekend? The, yeah. So do you and your TEDx team do something special for Carnival? This time we're just using Carnival to take a little break because we have a salon event in two weeks. So it's kind of the the last weekend before everything crazy starts. So the weekend after Carnival, we're having our team day to rehearse, to check everything, set the logistics. And then on February 24, we have the first salon event of this year. Now, have you done salons before? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one of the licenses we we love in here in Blumenau. So it's actually our seventh salon, if I'm not mistaken. Your, did you say seventh salon? Yeah, we we have already organized 11 events, and seven of them were salons. Oh, my gosh. So uh, for those of you, tell tell people who may not be aware of what a salon license is, because our, our listeners are both first-timers and really experienced people. But why is it that you like doing salons? Sure. Uh, the salon license is is a, is a model of a kind of license to a recurring event where you can have it with a more focused team. Uh, we like the event doing salon events here in Blumenau because it helps to keep the audience involved in the platform between our big events. We do TEDx Blumenau once a year, so we like to do about two or three salons in each year to keep our audience rolling, to meet new people, to bring more voices into the stage. So we we have we have done it on a very big uh, amount of topics and our next event is about fashion actually fashion oh now see that's 
uh, uh, tell me about that. How how do you get a a TED uh, focus out of fashion? Our region here in Blumenau and, and near the city is very strong in in this industry. So fashion is a is a theme we we were always asked, oh, you need to do an event about this and. We were always a little hesitant because we, we hadn't found the right theme. We hadn't found the right ideas to put on stage. But the way we see it here is what's the next big conversation our city needs to have. And this time we, were, we felt like we were prepared and we had something to share about fashion. So we're, we're bringing to the spotlight voices that help us show that fashion is much more than an industry or just a profession. And we're, we're going to talk about fashion as a tool for transformation, social transformation. Uh, what can we do about what's left of the fashion industry after the, the clothes are produced, the clothes are sold, the residue. So we're bringing a different approach. And we, we like to say it's our reading on fashion and what our city needs to discuss about fashion. When you talk about um, the conversation that our city needs to have. How involved is the city in what you do? Do you have a partnership with them or do you have conversations with them? City we, we actually sit with a lot of people after some of our events to, to chat with them. If they went to the event as attendees, we'd like to get their personal feedback on how was it, how can we improve? And then when we sit down to decide the theme of, we always talk about TEDx and seasons here. So we're like in the fourth fourth season now, and we have three salon events and TEDx Blumenau. And we always start discussing what are what ideas are we willing to share. And since we landed on fashion, just like we landed on, on a few others before, it's a result of a long talk we have between our, our team members, the board of TEDx Blumenau also, and what we hear people asking us to do and what we get from feedback of what's happening in the city. So we felt like it was the proper moment to, to do an event about fashion, which is a big part of the city's income. Just like, I, if I'm not mistaken, last year, it was election year here. So we made a salon event about citizenship, which was a pre-election event. I like that idea of, of tying it right to the, the region, what's important. How long have you been doing TEDx Blumenau? What was the first one? Uh, the first one was actually TEDx Blumenau Live. We, we, we had a, a viewing party on, on the TED Global that happened in Rio de Janeiro. But our first TEDx Blumenau, which was our second organized event, was in February 2015. So had you been to a TEDx before then? I'm, I'm curious how you, how you decided this is something that you wanted to dedicate your time to. TEDx uh, was, was part of my life for quite a while, actually. I organized events when I was in college. And then one of our guests once said he was the organizer of an, an old TEDx event that, that happened in Sao Paulo. And I think that at that moment when I was in college, something just ticked to my head and like, oh, I need to do this once. Someday I need to do this. And then after I graduated, I was, I was the founding president of ISAC in Blumenau. And then when I was leaving the, pres the president role, 
I sat down with with a friend of mine and we were just talking about how we wanted to keep doing something voluntarily mm. as a volunteer. Right. And then it, it just came back, you know, like, oh, there's statics. We can try that. The funny part is we actually applied three times to get our license approved for the first time. We were denied on the first two times. And I today, with the knowledge we have, the expertise we have, I completely understand why we were denied. I, I'm, let's but, let's talk about that for a second because uh, you know a big part of what we do uh, as organizers is we're you know we're always reapplying for licenses. I just um, applied for a uh, a live license for here in Santa Barbara, and it was all kind of the same questions. Even though I've been doing this since 2009, what was it? Did, did you get some guidance back from Ted on why you had been denied the license? And, and then when you took advantage of that guidance, when you were denied again, what was it that kept you being so persistent? Uh, I think we actually, we, we got the denied the first time because we, we, we had some guidelines wrong. Uh, we, we hadn't talked to Ted yet, but we hadn't completely understood all the rules. So the theme we proposed was a little out. Uh, then we were denied and they, they actually gave us feedback on why. We reapplied, but I think the second time we were just, we had a very poor application, if I remember. And then after two denials, we started talking with people that were more involved in the TEDx community. Mm. We mm. talked to some of the ambassadors here in, here in Brazil. And then we felt like we had actually understood what we wanted to do here. And then we applied for a third time. And Ted actually answered us saying that they wanted to get to know us better before, before uh, conceding the license to us. So we actually had an, an interview with, Ted, with the Ted's office. And after the interview, they understood what we were proposing. They understood that this application was much better than the last ones. And then we finally got the license on February 19, 2014. <laughs> so I, I love it that you remember exactly the day. Uh, yeah, I'll probably never forget it. <laughs> which is uh, just about almost exactly four years ago. Well, uh, I, I appreciate you sticking with it. I also appreciate that um, <laughs> the diligence that uh, New York goes through in checking to make sure um, I, I think it's the motives uh, that people have for wanting to do a TEDx and, you know, keeping the brand, you know, really clean and pure and, and all of that. There's, there's so much uh, there to learn and to learn from one another. I love that you talk to ambassadors. I noticed um, just last night that uh, Ted announced the new class of ambassadors. We're going to try to get several of them on the show. Um, mm -hmm. the, the ambassadors are so helpful in the region and at such a lot of work. I'm curious, um, you, you, we talked about fashion in the salon and that makes it unique because it's unique to the region, that particular industry. What else do you do to go out of your way to make your TEDx unique to your region? Uh, I think the salon license already helps a lot with that because I think we're one of the few events nearby that do salon events. And we also try to always aim for 
different themes. The last salon event we did on our past license was about intimacy. We were very inspired by the by TEDx Vienna, who had done a similar event. And the funny part is that Blumenau is a city of German culture. And by nature, they are kind of closed, let's put it that way. So we knew we were facing a little bit of a resistance to talk in an open way about about intimacy. And it uh, I just want to make it clear that it, it wasn't just about sex or sexuality, but of course that was a big part of it. Sure. But we knew we were facing some resistance about it, but we felt it was like taboo enough in the in, in the city, so we need to, we had to do that. It was the first time that we didn't sold out on an event, but I think it was one of the best discussions we've ever had with our audiences. I'm curious, Umberto. Um about this, the German heritage of the city. I kind of got that from the name of the city. But when we, I think of uh, the Brazilian people, the Portuguese that I know, they're very passionate and very uh, friendly and very, you know, very good at being social. Yet when I was talking to Dora from uh, TEDx Tum from uh, Munich, uh, she said that uh, it's very German culture to to not actually be very bright and lively in the life of the party and so they have to really go out of their way to get people to socialize and engage do you have a similar situation uh, at your event uh i i don't think it's that strong i think tedx was we were very well received in the city i think that there's a few themes that we we kind of face a little resistance, but there's nothing I can I I can complain about the our reception in the city. Ever since we announced the first TEDx event, people were really really happy about it. Uh, we we always have an attendees team team inside our own team of volunteers that aims to create experiences and everything to make people loosen up on the event, socialize mm. more, mm. talk more, mm. interact more. So I think that helps a lot, actually. We always put a lot of thought and time and energy and money on the event lab. So I think that actually helps breaking down some of these barriers. I think it was a little harder on our first event, but I think people kind of know what they should expect Mm. when they go to an event now. How many people come to your event, Uh, the main event? It's only 100 people. We're getting the upgrade on TEDfest. <laughs> oh, that's right. So you're going to be at TEDfest in Brooklyn. That'll be the second one. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person and uh, meeting all of the other organizers that have been on the show. So you've been, you've been doing all this work, and it's just for 100, and now that population cap comes off. How, how big is the population of Blumenau? There is about four hundred thousand people here. So you have a you have a you can probably do a big event. What's your what's your goal for your next event in terms of size? What are you thinking about? We're looking for the for three hundred people for the event of TEDx Blumenau two thousand eighteen. Uh, I know we have the potential to do more, but I think we're gonna do about three events of about three hundred people. Right. And after that, we aim at twelve hundred or something more. There is, um, it's it would be interesting. Uh, I'm looking forward. To, drop me a note 
uh, markethackingtheredcircle.com with the answer to this question, which is, what do you think is the ideal size of an event? Um, Umberto, you're sure. you're with me. I'm I'm at 300 people, and I have been at 300, 350 for all of the. We've done six going on our seventh event. I like that size because I like the venue. I like a small where I can see everybody. But when I look at um, Yelena and Sao Paulo at 10,000, uh, yeah, and I look at you know, it seems like there's there's the hundreds, then there's the 250 to 350 to maybe 400 and then there's 500 to 700 800 and then there's the ones in the thousands Mm -hmm. and they're all different and and you can listen to the show and listen to the pros and cons of all of them so um it's just interesting that that that's coming up in in the four years that you've been working on this What's been the biggest surprise or continues to surprise you about being an organizer? I think the one of the biggest surprises was the reception we had in the city. Uh, there were, sure, a lot of people that didn't actually know what TED was and what we were doing. But after word start, started getting out and everything, I think the feedback has been so positive and that we just have a, this feeling that we started something that can't stop. Mm. It mm. might it might not be with us forever, but this thing that started here in the city, it just can't stop. And I think that's that's something huge when you start putting it in, into perspective. Have you um, thought about have you thought about a sustainability plan like what what you do to to train people and um you know to think about, you know, 5 6 years from now? How, how that organization might be structured. Uh, I th- we 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 are very careful on the rotation on our team. We are a team of twenty two today, I think. But every time we we have that now, we kind of recruit ten to fifteen more volunteers just for the day of the event. And after the event, those people are welcome into our main team who works the entire year organizing the event. So we keep the, the, the team rotating like that. I think that from the team that organized the, our first event, there's just like me and five or six others that are still here. And besides that, we our, our co-organizers also change a little bit. We have TEDx Blumenau with me and Maria Luisa, the one who, who talked to you in the beginning. Uh, before her, I had the license with another good friend of mine. The salon license is with me and another member of our team. So we, the women event we had was with with both my co-organizers in the salon and TEDx Blumenau. They had the license. So we kind of rotate our team like that. But I must say, I, I today. I can't figure or can, I can't imagine where we'll be in five years, but I'm pretty sure I I'll probably won't still want to be here. <laughs> you'll, you'll you'll be sitting in the front row watching them and clapping for them and being really excited uh, for the great <laughs> job that they've done. I can guarantee that'll happen. What is uh, what's I, been I the biggest challenge for you? I, I'm I'm gonna guess maybe it's the you know, being capped at a hundred people that, that has a challenge, but uh, what is the biggest dragon for you? Uh, Definitely the, the, the attendee capping at a hundred is, is a big, I won't say problem, but a big 
situation we have every year because we have like five, six times those people willing to watch every every day every year. And to kind of mitigate that, we we stream the event live. We have an average of five to ten thousand people watching the event live every year. And I think that besides that, our biggest problem has been raising funds every year. It's been very non-linear, let's say. There's years where we manage to raise a lot of funding as sponsorships, and there's years we have like the four or five sponsors we have every year, and there's that. So our budget kind of fluctuates a lot between events. I'm very, very excited to hear that for an event that has 100 people, you have between five and 10,000 people <laughs> yeah. watching on the stream. Tell me about that. How, how, do you ma- how do you reach that many people? What have you done? It's, it was kind of a big surprise for us, too, because our first TEDx Blumenau reached 10,000 people, and we, we kind of didn't know what to do. We started like, without oh, 1,000 people, our, our host was saying, oh, hello, people watching online. And when we reached the, the, third, the, third, the third part of the event, there were like 10,000 people, and I'm pretty sure they weren't just from Brazil, so I'm not sure how much of the event were they understanding. Right. But it was a big, big surprise for us. So after that, we kind of just communicate that we're live streaming the event very early. And now we started sponsoring a few posts on our Facebook page with the live stream. And it's been keeping on this average of five to 10,000 every year. That's that's spectacular. You should be very, very proud of that. Thanks. What is it about one of the things I like to talk about is the superpower, because you know how many different things you have to do. Uh, to produce an event. And, and it doesn't matter, folks, if it's 100 people or 1,000 people or 10,000 people. There's a little yeah. bit of difference, but you still have to do all of the, you know, organizing and collaborating and producing and curating and marketing and partnering and selling sponsor, all of that stuff. Which of those do you like the most? Uh, I think the role I'm most passionate about passionate about is the curating and coaching part is that is it, that is actually the team that i coordinate here and i have i keep getting marveled at how many voices there are out there that need to be heard so it's i have developed this growing passion of getting people the voice they need and making sure those voices are heard that's like that's what we think about when we're curating our events and I think that's it's been one of the biggest surprises of the events for me, how many amazing things happen, and not mm. only in the city, but in our countries, and most of the time in our country where we search for speakers, and uh, curating those people, calling them on the phone and saying, oh, congratulations, you're part of TEDx Blumenau, mm, mm, and mm. actually preparing those people, it's something priceless for me. I think that's the the part I liked, I enjoyed the most on the event. I, um, I stay out of that side of it because, uh, my <laughs> wife, Kimberly and, and people on the show know of her. Uh, she'll be at Ted fest as well. Uh, she started, uh, she really liked the coaching she sounded very much like what you just said. in in our first event in 2010, she, you know, uh, just really enjoyed the interaction and finding the right people and, 
has taken that part of the show uh, very, very seriously and thinking about we, to, together we come up with the theme and, and what areas we want to go after. It's so much so that she now runs workshops for other people who want to do TEDx. And she just started, I think it was about four months ago, doing two-minute tips for TEDx speakers uh, every Sunday morning videos that are oh. like how to rehearse, how to memorize, how to write your story, how to, um, like, what do you do the week before? What do you do the night before? Just these little two-minute tips. They're That's great. amazing. So, um, but they're in English, but they're at uh, strategicsamurai.com, and they're free, nice. and they come out every Sunday, and they're they're fun to do, and they're fun to watch how people are, uh, organizers are using them to have their speakers watch and, and get another, you know, another helping hand on the coaching. Sure. What, what advice would you give to, um, I want to, let's talk about someone who's going to do a salon. What advice would you give for someone who's going to do a salon? Uh, if you're doing a salon with live speakers, I think you must consider that it's not just one event. You're signing up for at least three of them because that's the the model of the license. So I think you, one of the I think one of the most important things is to look at the big picture here. So now we're promoting a discussion about fashion, but there's two more to be had this year. Right. So you kind of you can kind of make a big program out of that and think about themes that the city needs to talk about. The second thing, at least that what works really well for us, is that we always try to keep a very strong connection with the city. So if it's not possible to have a speaker that's from our city, we actually we try to bring someone that has an idea that is replicable in the city. So I think that helps keep the event fresh and it helps with the connection. So our audiences can connect easier with things that they can relate, that they can apply in their lives in our town. So if we see an idea, a project, something that is amazing, that needs to be spread, and that has potential to be replicated in Blumenau, I think it will definitely have a preference on our curating process. I'm, I'm curious, how do you, when you say you have six times the number of people that want to come, when you do put the salon tickets on sale, I'm going to guess they sell out pretty quickly because you have such a good reputation. Uh, we usually do like one month or one month from four to six weeks of sales. They they have a tendency of so selling out in the last week. but they're, <laughs> That's just scary, isn't it? When, when you haven't yeah, sold out, you scary. have a week to go and you're like, oh my gosh, is anybody going to come? Yeah, it's it's very scary. <laughs> but we had uh, an in a salon event about education that sold out in two weeks, mm. and this fashion event is actually going pretty pretty fast. Also, we have released the event one week ago, and there's only 15 more tickets available as we speak. Congratulations uh, on that! For for the main event that's coming up later this year, have you? been looking at venues all over town and have you selected one and, and tell me about it we actually have been looking pretty much all over town and i have the feeling that we have looked on every possible <laughs> venue that our city has 
Because we're aiming at the possibility of doing the event this year for 300. So our event plan kind of needs to be three times bigger now. So we're looking at places that can house those many people, that many people. And it's actually a problem here in the city. It's It was way easier to find a place for 100 people. And it's way harder now. But today, I think we kind of have settled on a place. It's a big place where sports events happen in the city. And mm. they have a education space with a maker lab. So oh. giant 3D printers, oh, coding, wow. robots. We had our event from last year there, even though we kind of had to change the place a lot to accommodate only 100 people. But this, there's, a, there's a big chance that we're going to use some of the makerspace and some of the other parts of the complex, actually the, the sports courts, to make the event lab so we can accommodate everyone better. You know, one of the things when you're looking at a space, and now I'm talking to our listener now, is you you are looking for a great stage and great seats, you know, for the audience. But the other thing that you want to pay attention to is there are plenty of room either right there or very nearby for the in between the mixers, the meals, the 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 experiences that you want to create. That's one of the challenges we have because we're in a theater and there isn't a mm-hmm. lot of uh, there isn't a huge lobby so that's always a challenge uh, for the crew and they they figure it out i know in san diego they were in the big opera house and they create a uh, an innovation alley they take the alley right next to the theater and close it off and and do a lot of things with startups <laughs> so it's everybody solves this problem uh, in a different way mm-hmm. well, as, as we as we get close to the the end of our time together here i'm i'm curious um ha- how many TEDx's are within driving distance of you? Do you have a lot? We actually are the second state in Brazil with the most TEDx license active. So I think there's about four to six events that are driving distance from here, like one to three hours away from here. So there's always a little bit of TED to go around uh, so people can go and see them. What what TEDx, if we could take you to any TEDx in the world, which one would you love to go attend? Uh, one of my dreams was to attend TEDx Rio de la Plata from Gary in Argentina. Yep. I actually went there last year and it was actually pretty amazing. The size, the the audience, the event itself was, was gorgeous. But the I think the two events that I kind of dream of going are TEDx Vienna and TEDx Sydney. Wonderful. Both uh, extremely popular events. I, um, what I love is what we learn from all of these various events, you know, and that's why I do the show. So I have, I get a first row seat in talking to guys like you and, and the ideas. But what I, what I learned from Sydney, just one of the things was uh, how powerful the lighting can be and lighting the stage and the audience in red can look striking on video. And I'd never considered that. I'd always done blue blue lights on the audience. And so this year we were I was looking after um, interviewing them, I looked and I said, hold it, red, how come I never thought of that? And so if you look at the <laughs> TEDx Santa Barbara videos, you'll see a lot of red. Um, 
Oh, and, nice. And, and that's, you know, that's one of my hacks is the, you know, have fun with lighting. Lighting's not expensive. Uh, and you can do some amazing things with it that um, are affordable. How do you, Umberto, how do you, um, what's the thing that you do, the hack that you do, the free thing that makes your event better as a result of you doing it that, you know, it's just, it doesn't cost any money, but it makes a huge difference in the event. I think one of them is the coaching process. We were very inspired by Yana of TEDx Lassador and Elena. Our coaching process actually takes six months. So everybody that's going to be on TEDx Blumenau will rehearse with us for six months. And I think that's that has been one of our one of the biggest differentials we have because we make sure our speakers go to the stage with every bit of preparation that they can have. So our entire timeline of the organization is based on this coaching process. So we know we need at least eight months to organize the event because six of those months, there will be speakers rehearsing. And I think the second one is the value and the energy we give to what happens in the event lab. We have an attendees team inside our volunteer team that actually sits with each of our sponsors to help them think how they can enjoy the event better. We, when we have all the sponsors closed and signed, we actually host a workshop at a, one of the bars in the, in the city. So all of our sponsors are there and we facilitate a workshop showing every bit, every point of contact that, ca- that they can interact in the event, the bag, the stands they, they can put up, every bit of experience they can enjoy and what they can bring to, what can they bring to the event to improve those experiences even more so that leads to better experiences from the sponsors the people people leave the event happier the sponsors are remembered so they keep returning so i think those are the two big differentials we have i hadn't considered hosting a workshop for sponsors and showing them all the different ways they could play that that's a really good idea i I appreciate that. And Umberto, I appreciate this chance to get to talk to you. And I'm going to meet you in person uh, at TED yep. Fest. Um, um, and I understand uh, that it's your first time to New York, first time to the States. So uh, yep. tell me what you're looking forward to other than meeting all the wonderful people. What are you looking forward to most about New York City? It's going to be a really fast trip because... We, I, I kind of have to come back and they're gonna help the finish the organization of that experiment now. But on the on the one week I'll be there, I think I just wanna enjoy the event, the people, and besides that, just get to a little sightseeing, meet a few friends that live near New York. So I'm most looking forward to everyone I'm I'm gonna meet there. You're gonna make a lot of new friends. I know that's exactly how it's gonna play out. So thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward thank you for to seeing having you me. soon. Bye-bye. Bye, Mark. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.